love. Some would say it took a backseat when the pandemic forced us apart. As a family-run and proudly Canadian-owned company, Charm Diamond Centres saw the need to bring us together with tales of love and created the Canadian Love Map podcast. Since then, we've shared hundreds of real, uplifting stories that prove love conquers all. So thank you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember, love starts here. You know, when he was little, one of the things that he did, just to show you the personality too, we were watching the Calgary Stampede on the TV because we weren't down on the grounds. And he put on his cowboy hat, got a microphone and was commentating beside the TV what he was seeing. Like the kid has got some, some definite skills and I could see him doing again, whatever he chooses to do when he gets older. Hi, I'm Nancy Regan. This week's love story belongs to Melanie and her son, Carter. Born with Down syndrome, Carter has faced some challenges, but this joyful spirit is constantly showing those around him how to live life fully. According to Melanie, the pandemic lockdown brought their relationship to a new level. Hi, Melanie. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me. This is a love story I'm really excited to get into, and I'd like to have you start by just telling us about your son, Carter. Sure. I could, I could talk all day about Carter. He's, um, he is a big personality. He has a big, um, spirit, a big character to him. He's 15 in grade nine has down syndrome and, um, Honestly, he's a light of my life. I have to say he's been a real gift. He is uh, creative. He's definitely an artistic type. He loves music. Um, he is a very joyful soul and uh, he's very active. <laughs> he, there's lots of stuff he likes to do. He keeps us on our toes all the time. Um, my husband and I tend to be a little bit more homebodies and Carter definitely makes us get out and do more. He loves to do parkour. He loves to jump on the trampoline. He always wants to be outside. He loves animals. Um, he's just a huge personality. Tell me about when he was born and and finding out that he had Down syndrome and, and how that unfolded for you. So it was the 1st of December. It was a week early. It was a very fast and furious um, when I was pregnant, we had no inkling that there was any difference or anything going on. Everything had gone perfectly. He's Carter's my second child. I have an older son, Ripley, who is 17. And so everything kind of went normally and smoothly and there was, um, nothing out of the ordinary. But when, when Carter came along, it was midnight. I had gone to bed and I remember thinking, Hmm, if this is labor, I hope my water breaks because I'm, I'm too stupid to go to the hospital. I'll just stay here all night. And sure enough, within a minute, my water broke and I had Carter two hours later in the wheelchair at the hospital, <laughs> I had barely gotten into the room. It was a fury of activity. Um, the, the doctor literally caught him, um, it was, it was a crazy birth and they whisked him away 
And I remember looking over at my husband and he just, his eyes were big and he said, that was awesome. <laughs> it was so fast. Wow. So they had taken Carter away and he had aspirated fluid when he was born because it, he did come so quickly. So they had taken him away. He was in the NICU and he was on oxygen. So we had, um, you know, been checked in and then got my room. And of course I said, you know, I need to see my baby. So I went and sat next to him in the NICU and was, was there as he was laying in the bubble, the oxygen bubble. And it was actually there that we found out that he had down syndrome. Um, the doctor had come in in the morning. He hadn't been on in the night. Um, I guess it was the student doctors on in the nighttime and the doctor came in and I had this very vivid memory of him floating into the room with his gown around him. And he just said, yep, that's definitely a Downs baby. And I remember thinking, what? This guy doesn't know anything. And I was just, I was, I was struck, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I was absolutely struck. And I remember thinking, well, this guy doesn't know anything. I'm, I'm going to show him. Is what I remember thinking. <laughs> I like that. But there was no preface. There was no bedside manner. No, let's sit no. down and have a conversation. No. Wow. Um, no, that all came later. They, they gave me a binder and said, here you go. This is what it is to have a child with Down syndrome. And I remember my husband and I, we opened it. We looked at the picture in the front, went, oh, okay. And we closed it and we didn't look at it again for about three years. Really? Oh, that's great. You know, I I was thinking before this interview today that I have good friends who have a child who has Down syndrome. And I have always loved the story that when at their at the bedside in the hospital, when the doctor told them that their son had Down syndrome, the husband started to look, you know, crestfallen. And he looked at his wife and she said, there will be none of that. And this is a joyful day. And they never looked back. And so I'd love for you to tell me where you went from there. Yeah, there was still, you know, it's interesting when you have a when you have a baby that's not considered normal. Um, there's a lot that happens that you don't expect. So, for example, um, when we came home from the hospital, we had messages on the answer machine that said, we're so sorry. Right. And you know, it's very devastating to think that people aren't celebrating with you mm -hmm. because for us, I mean, we just had our second son. I mean, he was gorgeous and my older son was excited to be a big brother. It was such a happy time for us. I mean, full of unknowns for sure, but it was not sad. Um, and that even was... family, family doesn't always understand either. And that was difficult to navigate. And we really, my husband and I, I know, I know for a lot of people, it's sort of a make or break, like either it, it comes between you or it brings you together. And for us, it really brought us together. It was like, nope, it's us against everybody else. And we're going to make this what we want it to be. This is our family. He's perfect. And it's really made us strong as a couple, as, um, you know, and as a family as well, it's made us very strong. Where we, I would say we're different that way. We're all very protective of each other. So that was an early lesson, hearing those voice messages and so on, in just how uncomfortable the world is with difference. 
Yes. And I think a lot of it is, is just a lack of understanding. I think they don't understand, um, how, how to look at it, how to view it, how to talk to it, how to, you know what I mean? I think it's, it's a lack of understanding of how to approach it. And I think, you know, anything that makes people uncomfortable, they want to steer away from. Whereas, I mean, I can tell you leaning into it has been the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, it's sort of good to live a little bit uncomfortable, I think. Mm-hmm. What challenges us makes us grow and makes us mm-hmm. stronger and gives us richer lives, I think. What was Carter like as a little boy? Carter as a little boy was very jubilant. He was very roly-poly and he could make anybody smile. He had this great infectious giggle that would just, I mean, it, it just tickled you. And even as a little guy, I mean, we had started doing therapy from the time he was a year old because of, you know, low muscle tone, needing to work on those uh, gross motor skills and then later fine motor skills. He just was always such a hard worker. He, he surprised me all the time, even as a little guy, just always trying his best to, to do it. And definitely a people pleaser, even from a young age, he just loves to see people smile. He would love to see people happy with him. And he still is like that today. I would say when people ask me what motivates Carter, I'm like, tell him he's doing a great job. <laughs> Give him a high five, smile at him. He totally responds to that. That is what makes him tick. Well, he's so fortunate to have a family like yours, as you've described it. You know, his his Down syndrome brought you all closer, which is amazing. And I have to guess that it has contributed to his older brother being more compassionate and perhaps more of an empath in the world. Is that is that true? I think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, they are certainly brothers and they still fight and they still bug each other and (laughs) Ripley will definitely let him know when he's he's pushing him. But I would say that Ripley's heart for people is is different than what a typical 17 year olds is. He really naturally um, knows how to talk to people or kids that are struggling. He naturally teaches and encourages I will not be surprised if he decides to go into an occupation where it's service driven or people driven, because whether he sees it at 17 or not, I see that for sure. Um, He definitely has a deeper understanding. He also has a really ingrained sense of justice and um, people being uh, treated fairly. He feels this great need for equality and equity. Um, yeah, he's, he's got a good heart for that. Well, that's amazing. And what about Carter himself? Is he empathetic? To others? Yes. Absolutely. Like, he is 100% an empath. Yeah. Absolutely. He feels so deeply. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why he connects with animals so much. I remember when he was little, we'd go for a walk to the park. And, of course, there's always everybody walking their dogs and Carter would go right up to their face and he'd take their hand, like the dog's face in his hands and he would get right up and say, oh, I love you. You're such a good dog. 
And I would be thinking, oh my goodness, please don't bite his face off. <laughs> but it's like the animals all knew that, oh no, this, this is a gentle soul. And it was like, he could speak to them and he still is really good with animals. Like he still has this, you know, this innate sense of, of knowing how to be around them. And, and it's like that with people too. Like, um, you know, if somebody is hurt, he's very concerned. He will absolutely be the first one to go over and, and ask if they're okay and put his hands on them. I think that, you know, he has the gift of, of compassion and healing. I, maybe that's extreme, but I do. I think that he's so, he's so kind. He's so concerned for others. Oh, that's beautiful. And I'm interested to know what else do other people not notice about him that you love about Carter? I think people don't notice how funny he is. Like, I think sometimes they see it as bad behavior or he's being silly. And he is, he's silly, but he's doing it because he wants you to laugh. He wants you to be happy. And I think there's something really beautiful about a person and a spirit that just wants to see joy around him. Without inhibition, in a way. Yes, yes. And I think, you know, there's something that... You know, if, if parents and teachers could see, like, especially at school, somebody who is just there to do his best and to keep trying, there's such joy in that. And, you know, for your child who's sitting there and maybe struggling with it and to look over and see Carter sitting there and struggling with it at a totally different level, say, oh, I can do this. He's here trying. I can try. I think, you know, those are things that he brings to the world that people don't see right away. And I think those are things that will change the world. They will change how those kids view Carter and people like Carter in the future. It'll change their desire to hire him or mm -hmm. to hire somebody like him, you know, because those, his peers will be, you know, his coworkers, his boss one day, um, his friends, his community members. So I think there's a lot that he brings that people don't see yet. You landed on our radar here at the Canadian Love Map because you wrote a beautiful piece in Maclean's magazine about how the pandemic gave you the gift of understanding how Carter lives all the time. Can you tell us about that? For sure. Um, I think what it opened up for me was um, the limited capacity that we all shared suddenly. It was oh, hey, I can't just go out and see somebody and talk to them and have a conversation and make that connection. I can't easily do what I want to do. Um, the, the thing that really highlighted that for me was when I was doing a Zoom call with a committee that I chair. And during the call, something went wrong. I couldn't get the sound to work. And I was stuck there watching from the periphery and, and going, this is so frustrating. Why can't I contribute to this? And, you know, at points trying to wave and say, hey, I've got something to say here and writing it on a piece of paper or texting it to another committee member and asking them to say it for me. And it was really not until the end of it that I thought, wow, that's, you know, that's what Carter does on a daily basis. When he can't speak clearly and have somebody understand him, he tries to act it out or he starts to get silly, or he starts to get frustrated. And, you know, sometimes what comes out as behavior, it's, it's still communication. He's still trying to communicate with you. And I think for me, it just brought to the forefront of how hard he tries. 
and how resilient he is in, in his efforts to try to be understood. And it just, it changed how I saw him. It changed um, how I saw how strong he was. And I think it just, I don't know, it opened up a different part of me as a mother that I hadn't been aware of before. I was just going to say, it probably made you an even better mom. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we mothers are so hard on ourselves. <laughs> that is the truth. That is the truth. If Carter could teach the world one thing, what do you think it would or should be? I think if Carter could teach the world one thing, it would be to be yourself and to be okay being yourself. But not only that, let everybody else be themselves. Because, you know, we spend half our life trying to be like everybody else. We spend our teens trying to be different. And I think there just needs to be more of, of an acceptance of self, whatever that looks like. Because really, it's the differences that make us interesting. Right on. That's a beautiful answer. I guess I want to ask now, what do you see in the future for Carter? What's he what's he loving right now that you think he'll carry forward? And, and then what do you think, you know, you see for a broader future for him? Well, first of all, anything he wants, <laughs> we will definitely work towards. Right on. Yeah. No, we, um, it's interesting. I, I recently was given the good question about the difference for what I see for him and what he sees for him. And that was a real paradigm shift for me because what I thought I wanted for him maybe isn't what he wants for himself. And I've had to think about that again for my older child as well. Um, sort of the hopes and dreams parents have for their children. Um, you know, it needs to be leveled with what the child's hopes and dreams are. So for Carter, I mean, my answer would have been different a week ago, but today <laughs> Carter would probably love to be in rodeo or do something um, on the rodeo circuit, whether he was doing it or just a part of it. He absolutely loves horses and loves watching cowboys on YouTube. Um, his uncle Shane does a lot of um, roping and he's Carter's hero when it comes to seeing cowboys. And I think that, you know, Carter in life, I could see him wanting to do a lot of that kind of a thing. He also, again, he loves music. One of our goals for him is for having him play in a band. He is learning saxophone, um, which I never thought he would be able to do. And he is absolutely proving me wrong and surprising me constantly. One of our goals for him is to have him play in a band in whatever capacity that he can. And then beyond that, I mean, I see Carter working. I see him volunteering and I see him in the community. He's very well known. <laughs> so I see him continuing that. I want him to want to move out and live with friends. And I expect him to have girlfriends and hopefully get married and have a house full of pets. Um, you know, any it's sky's the limit for him. He's, he's an ambitious kid. So I'm sure whatever he decides he wants to do, he'll do. Well, I hope someday that I can come out to the Calgary Stampede and see him playing the national anthem on his saxophone. <laughs> on, on horseback. <laughs> on horseback. Why not? Why not? Yep. He would love that. You know, when he was little, one of the things that he did, just to show you the personality too, 
we were watching the Calgary Stampede on the TV because we weren't down on the grounds. And he put on his cowboy hat, got a microphone and was commentating beside the TV what he was seeing. Like the kid has got some some definite skills and I could see him doing again whatever he chooses to do when he gets older. Are you seeing shifts in the world so that it's becoming more open and accepting of of difference people like Carter? I think so. I think so. I think that we've come a long way um, from the days when kids like Carter were institutionalized. I think, um, again, you know, I'm sort of at the generation, it's an interesting place to be in where my parents' generation would ask, are you keeping him? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, of course I'm keeping him, he's mine. Whereas, you know, um, my son's generation would never even think that. It would never cross their mind. So yes, I absolutely think it's changing. I think the one place that is not changing quickly enough is school. I think it's built on a very old traditional model that needs to change. I think kids like Carter are there to help bring that change about because I think it's sort of the last frontier of um, where where they're not accepted readily. I mean, Mm -hmm. I can only speak for where I live, but um, we are still fighting for access for inclusive education. We are still fighting for quality of inclusive education. Um, having him present in a classroom is not the same as having him included and having him valued as an equal student. Mm -hmm. I understand there must be frustration in that, a lot of frustration, but has it also given you a sense of purpose? Oh, 100%. Absolutely. I I never thought I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. I don't think I was a natural at it. Um, it took me a long time to be comfortable being at home. And now I feel like it was the best thing that ever happened to me. In some ways, it feels like a 15 year, um, nap, (laughs) but it broke me in ways that I'd never expected to be broken. It built me in ways I never expect to be built up. It has absolutely given me a purpose Um, I can look back on my life now and see things that were pivotal that are helping me now in this, um, you know, this effort for acceptance and inclusion um, and and equality. It's it's helping me in in my efforts now that I never, ever would have thought. And I, I can honestly say this wouldn't have been my fight had it not been something that was gifted to me. Thank you so much for, for sharing your heart with us today and for telling us about Carter. I hope that he just keeps on showing the world how to be joyful. I think that he will. I think that that's his job. <laughs> he does it very well. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Melanie. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. It means a lot to me. If I do nothing else in life, if I can make the world just a smidge more accepting for Carter and for people like him, I will be a happy person. I will feel like my spirit did what it needed to do. So thank you for the opportunity. Thanks so much for listening to the Canadian Love Map. If you love us, please subscribe and share. We'll be back next week with another love story to add to the map.
This podcast is brought to you by Charm Diamond Centers, Canada's largest family-owned jewelry store. They are proud to be putting love on the map. And the staff at Charm Diamond Centers are thrilled to be a part of your love story too. So visit charmdiamondcenters.com or one of your local stores. Love starts here. This podcast is made possible by Charm Diamond Centers. It's hosted by me, Nancy Regan, and is produced and distributed by Podstarter.